seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In January 2023, Constance Martin and her boyfriend, Mark Gordon, disappeared and went on the run with their newborn baby, Victoria. A nationwide search resulted in the sad discovery of Victoria's body, and the pair have now been charged with killing her, which they both deny. I'm Jack Hardy, a news reporter for the Daily Mail. I'll be in court every day, reporting the events as they happen. And I'm broadcaster and journalist Caroline Cheatham. Together, we'll take you behind the headlines, bringing you the evidence, witness statements and testimony from the Old Bailey in London. This is The Trial. Constance Martin and Mark Gordon. So in the last episode, we talked about the events that led up to the arrest of Constance Martin and Mark Gordon on February the 27th last year, after they had allegedly been on the run with their newborn baby, Victoria. Now, we know that they've been trying to evade the authorities for nearly two months since the car they were driving burst into flames on a motorway in Bolton because it's alleged they were worried about their newborn baby being taken into care in the same way their previous four children had been taken away. Now, this week, the evidence of the Old Bailey has focused on the interviews the pair gave to the police once they were in custody. We know they were taken to separate police stations where they repeatedly refused to answer questions about where baby Victoria was. So today we're going to bring you those interviews. Crucially, we'll also hear about the moment that police found the body of baby Victoria and how it led Constance Martin to start talking to the police. We'll hear her admit that the couple did go on the run because they were worried the baby would be taken into care. We'll also hear how Mark Gordon insisted his interview could only take place while he was sitting on the floor. And we'll bring you the moment Constance Martin claimed that Victoria died in her jacket as she slept. Welcome to episode seven, The Body in the Shed. So, Jack, despite the Old Bailey being closed for much of last week, we've heard a lot of evidence this week, so we've got quite a lot to update you on today. And we should say at the outset that some of what we're going to be talking you through in today's episode is upsetting, and that's because it involves the moment that police found Victoria's body wrapped up at the bottom of a little shopping bag. Yeah, Caroline, we've heard some at times graphic evidence in court this week, and what we're going to be walking you through is, as you say... 
The moment officers found Victoria in an allotment in Brighton, and in court we saw a video of this moment because it was captured on the police body cam. But first of all, we're going to start with the police interviews. Now, some of these took place after the couple had been arrested, but before Victoria's body had been found. So at this point, as prosecutor Joel Smith told the court, the police do not know where the child was, whether the child was alive or dead, or even the sex of the child. So detectives had tried to carry out a number of interviews with each defendant over the course of the days following their arrest. And we were taken through three interviews that police conducted with Mark Gordon on March the 1st. Two of them took place in the early hours of the morning at 27 minutes past midnight and then at 52 minutes past midnight. And then the third took place later that day at 9.23pm. So... The first interview lasted for 12 minutes. It was conducted at Worthing Police Station. Mark Gordon had a solicitor present and he was interviewed by DC Mark Shales and another detective. In court, we weren't shown a video of this interview. Instead, the interview transcripts were read to the jury. Now, this interview starts with the detectives explaining to Mark Gordon that the overwhelming concern was the well-being of the baby and informing him that, in addition to the offences on which he had already been arrested... He had since been further arrested on suspicion of manslaughter. Now, at this point, according to the transcript, Mark Gordon climbed out of the wheelchair in which he'd been sitting and placed himself on the floor. In this exchange, which is voiced by actors, DC Mark Shales reads out the questions while Joel Smith, the prosecuting barrister, reads out Mark Gordon's replies. Mark, are you OK? I'll lay down here. The only thing with down there, Mark, is you're not on video, OK? And I'm worried about your legs being in that position. My legs are hurting, though. I'm in pain. I understand that, but I do think you should sit in the chair. But I'm in pain, so I can't focus on what you're talking about. I'm in pain. I've changed positions because of the pain. OK. So maybe you can give me something. Well, you've just seen the nurse, haven't you, Mark? Yeah, but I saw her, but she hasn't helped me. She took my blood pressure and said I'm fine, but I'm not fine. I'm not fine. I need to see a doctor, OK? Did she offer to do any other things for you? To give me a blood sugar, but that's not going to help me. I need to see a doctor. Now this exchange continues for a while with Mark Gordon telling the police that he can't concentrate on what they're saying because of the level of discomfort he's experiencing. The problem is, I've got to ask you questions in regards to what's going on. And I'd obviously want to make this as comfortable as I can for you. Like I've said in the past, I've tried to get you food, drinks, bits and bobs so I do want you to be comfortable. I'm not. I know you're not. How can we resolve it then? I don't know how. You seem a bit more responsive to my questions now that you're on the floor. Um... Is that because you're more comfortable? Well, uh, probably better to lay down. To lay down? Yeah, I mean, obviously I can't, but I'd prefer to lay down. Yeah, I'll tell you what, let's continue while you're on the floor, so like that, right? Because you seem responsive to my questions while you're like that. But I'm in pain, though. I understand that. Can the nurse not give me something for the pain? Well, you've just seen the nurse. But she hasn't given me any pills. The detective tries to push ahead anyway, noting that Mark Gordon appears comfortable on the floor. However, Mark Gordon then declares he needs to go to the bathroom, so they stop the interview while they wait for him. The second interview then began at 52 minutes past midnight. Now, almost immediately, Mark Gordon begins to ask for ibuprofen, which the detective says he's not willing to allow because he saw the nurse just before the interview began and they'd been forced to take a break already after just 12 minutes. He tells Mark Gordon that if he feels he's deteriorating and cannot concentrate, to let him know. But how is that down to you to decide how my condition is? To cooperate with you if I'm having... Well, I'm just saying... Yeah, but I'm experiencing pain. 
and you want me to answer your questions. All I'm asking for is some pills. You're saying no. You're like, oh no, not at this time. What I'm saying is, we started this interview 13 minutes ago. Before that, you were in the nurse's room, directly before that. She was telling me things that I don't think pertain to me. Everybody is an individual. She's telling me that I'm eating too much, but I'm not eating too much. She's telling me there's nothing wrong with me, but I'm in pain, so I don't agree with it. And I think if I was in a traditional setting, I'd see a doctor. The doctor would say, well, you are in pain. I think just because of the condition I'm in, in this situation here, I'm getting subpar treatment, and I don't think I should be talked to like I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm a suspect. I have not committed any crimes, therefore I should have respect. I'm entitled to respect. I'm still free, technically, detained. So I don't appreciate being looked down on and being spoken to like I'm a nobody. I'm not. I feel like I'm not a nobody. I don't... There's a procedure here you need. You need to follow the procedure here. Yes, I'm in custody, but that doesn't mean I'm still a non-person. No, of course. You have a procedure here. Crown Court. Nothing's happening. So why am I being treated like this? Like I can't see a doctor? You're talking to me like I'm not prepared at this time. You've been fair with me, but at the end of the day, I'm still a man. You're a man. We're all men here. I'm in custody, but that doesn't mean I'm a dog. I want pills, and you're saying I'm not prepared to stop. You don't know what it's like being this experience I'm going through. Okay. You do not know what it's like. And obviously you're a detective. I'm a suspect. That doesn't mean I'm a dog. We are a democracy. I thought I had rights. I honestly don't have any rights here. I have a right to see a doctor. You're saying at this time I'm not prepared to stop the interview. I thought you wanted me to cooperate with you and talk to you. That's not going to get my cooperation, talking to me like I'm nothing. The interview continues like this for some time with Mark Gordon telling detectives how swollen his hands and feet are and asking for pills. He tells them he's in distress. He says the officers have accused him of trying to delay things, which they deny. Mark Gordon then continues to note he is in pain. He requests ibuprofen, says he's in discomfort and tells the detectives he has rights. Okay, I want to ask one question. What? What was the baby's name? Now, at this point, we were told Mark Gordon paused and looked at his solicitor. Now, his solicitor then tells him his understanding is that he's going to give a no-comment interview and he reminds him of the advice that he's given. The jury were told Mark Gordon then continued to look at the solicitor in silence. Then he asked him to respond to the detective on his behalf. The solicitor then tells him he can't answer any questions. All he can do is give advice. Mark Golden then says he doesn't want to continue the interview while he's in pain. Now, before the interview concluded, the detective asked Mark Gordon again what the baby's name was. He said he thought his solicitor had already put it on record, and the solicitor then says their client's intention was to answer no comment through the course of the interview. The interview was then terminated at 1.06am. Now, it's later that same day on March the 1st that officers eventually find Victoria's body. And as we said at the beginning of the episode, we were shown in court the body cam footage, which captured that moment. Now, her body was found in an abandoned shed of an allotment close to Golf Drive in Brighton. Now, this was just under two days after Constance Martin and Mark Gordon were arrested on the same street. The officer who found the body while searching the shed was called PC Alan Ralph, and he was called to give evidence into court about what he saw that day. He was questioned by the prosecuting barrister, Joel Smith, and their exchange has been voiced by actors. 
In March of last year, were you stationed by the Metropolitan Police Service down in Sussex to participate in the search for a missing child? That's right, yes. On the 1st of March last year, at around half past two, were you dispatched to search some recreation ground and an allotment? That's correct. You searched the area of the allotment, sector by sector, and did you come to a particular area that appeared abandoned with a wooden shed on some decking? Yes, that's right. Did you notice the shed was missing a window pane? Yes. Did it have a closed but not locked door? It had a kind of chute bolt. It wasn't locked but, but stuck, and so I had to stoop down to open it. What was the first thing you noticed? It was the smell. I remember saying to my colleague, either something's dead in there or something has died. Have you attended sudden death call-outs in your role as a response officer? Yes, quite a few. You are familiar with the smell given off by a decomposing person? Yes. Was there anyone inside? No. PC Ralph then said his attention was drawn to a blue tent canvas inside the shed. This piqued his interest because the officers had been told before starting their search that they were looking for, among other things, a blue tent. He said there was food on top of a table inside the shed, such as milk and bread. All of it, he said, was out of date. Also nearby was the bag for life, sitting underneath the table in the corner. The search then paused briefly as they awaited further instructions from senior officers, during which time the officer looked through a few photos from news coverage and saw the bag for life and police appeals and recognised it from the shed. Clearly you were looking for a missing baby. Did you decide it would be best to see if there was anything in this bag? Yes. It was kind of weird. I lifted it and it was heavy, and there was no reason for it to be heavy from what I could see of the inside. I remember quite clearly there was just a lot of rubbish and the only thing at the top were two newborn baby nappies. There were two nappies. Underneath that there was a a pink rolled up blanket. Underneath that there was rubbish, cans and empty bottles. There were leaves, a lot of leaves. You took the bag onto the decking area to explore further? That's correct, yes. Did you begin to remove items from the bag? Yes. Now, Joel Smith then began to outline some of the items that were recovered from the bag, including an empty box of Mars bars, an empty can of Budweiser and an empty Coke can. Then the jury were played the video of the moment baby Victoria's body was found, which was captured on the officer's body cam. Now, the sound from the footage was muted so that we couldn't hear that distressing moment when the officers realised what they discovered and the body of the baby was censored in the video, so it wasn't visible. The clip begins with the officer and his colleagues standing on the wooden decking in front of the shed. Both were wearing gloves. They begin removing items from the top of the bag, such as blankets and cardboard. PC Ralph then sticks his hand down the side of the bag, and it was at this moment he discovered the body. Now, Mr Smith then asked the officer about this moment in court, and the jury were told that before they pulled the body out of the bag, they thought it might be the head of a doll. You put your hands down the side of the bag to see what it was. Did you feel something that was wet to the touch? The head was to the left. It was concave at the top of the head. That's what we touched. The body, he said, was wrapped inside a plastic bag. I unwrapped it two or three times before I got to the part where I could see the red pooling. Did you see then what appeared to be the baby's leg? A couple of seconds after, we went to the right-hand side. I put my hand down. My hand slipped on something. I looked and, and that was the baby's leg. My hand was soaking wet. The baby was very pale and lifeless? Yes, very pale. And cold to the touch? Yes. The full inventory of the little bag was then read out in court. 
including the pink blanket that the baby was wrapped in, a pink baby vest and baby grow. Other items included a black blanket, a can of Budweiser, two Coke cans, two Hollingbury golf course school cards, a glass water bottle refilled with petrol purchased at a Texco garage on January 12, 2023, oil and leaves, two torn Argos carrier bags, one WH Smith bag, several pages of the Sun newspaper dated January the 12th, 2023, and an egg mayonnaise and crest sandwich packet. We'll take a quick break there. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, after the body of baby Victoria was found on the afternoon of March the 1st, police again tried to interview Mark Gordon. This was at 9.23pm, but he replied no comment to every question that was put to him. Now, the jury were then taken to the interviews with Constance Martin, and they were told she initially declined her right to a solicitor when she was interviewed at 1.50am on February the 28th, which was a few hours after she'd been arrested. Now, at the start of that interview, we were told that Constance Martin had said, I haven't eaten or slept in a long time and I need to get some sleep before I make a decision. She then changed her mind and said she did want a solicitor after all, so the interview was stopped to give the police time to sort out a solicitor to represent her. Police then attempted to conduct two further interviews later that day, at 3.48am and then again at 10.08pm. On both occasions, Constance Martin only replied, no comment to the questions. So once police had found the body of Victoria, they then interviewed Constance Martin again. This interview took place at Worthing Police Station and it lasted for around 90 minutes. It was conducted by two detectives, with DC Paul Garvey asking the questions. The footage of this interview was shown to the jury and we could see Constance Martin sitting in a grey custody tracksuit. At various points during the interview she became quite emotional. Her interview with DC Garvey is here voiced by actors. All right, what we're going to talk about this evening, what we're going to talk about, a baby has been found. Mm -hmm. We have found a baby. Mm-hmm. Constance, I can tell you the baby's not alive. I know. Go on. Do you have a question or do I just talk? Is it your baby? Yes, it is, yeah. Okay, just to clarify, you just told me the baby that we found this evening is your baby. Yeah. Right. Tell me about that, Constance. Um. Take your time, Constance. Sorry. There's no rush, Constance. I can see it's very, very distressing for you and you're physically upset now. Yeah. All right. Please, I really want you to take your time. There is no rush. Mm Mm-hmm. 
No rush whatsoever? Yeah. All right. Like I said, and I promised this to you yesterday, I'm not here to judge in this interview, all right? This is your interview, and this is your opportunity to tell me what happened. Yeah. And I would really like you to tell me what's happened. Yeah. Um, well, her name was Victoria, and, um, she passed away, um, I don't know an exact date, but it was probably three days after the car exploded. Hmm. So, potentially the 8th, um, in the Harwich area. I don't know if you knew we were in Harwich. Um... Uh, I had her in my jacket and I hadn't slept properly in quite a few days and um, I fell asleep holding her, sitting up and she... When I woke up, she wasn't alive. Take your time. When I woke up, she wasn't alive in my jacket. I believe I fell asleep on top of her, but I literally didn't. She didn't make any crying or movement, so... And when I woke up, she wasn't alive. Then I was holding her in my jacket. That's how I usually held her. But I think I fell asleep crouching over her and she passed away. Okay. I wanted to turn myself in at the time. Um, I've been debating it. Obviously it's two months later now, um, but I kept her body for a number of reasons. Number one, um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the soil on top of it, inside the bag. Um, because I wanted, firstly, uh, I've been debating whether to hand myself in, which I wish I did earlier, Um, but the whole media presence and everything is kind of terrifying a little bit. Um, And also I kept the body because I wanted to have have an autopsy done, Um, but I didn't bury her because I wanted her to have a proper burial, but I couldn't get a proper burial until I had an autopsy. Um, And obviously, yeah. So I've been carrying her around, not knowing what to do, really. I didn't want to bury her in a forest, some random place, um, because I wanted to have a proper burial. But also because I was concerned, like, if an animal might eat her, that would affect the autopsy. And I think, I don't know if you found... There's a bottle of petroleum in the bag, um, because I debated whether to cremate her myself, get rid of the evidence, but I decided to keep her because I knew at some point in the future I was going to be asked about it, but I just didn't know what to do. So that's why we're here, really. DC Garvey then told Constance Martin that he was really sorry and said it must have been horrendous for her. She replied that she wanted to hand herself in if it hadn't been for the media attention. The detective asked her then if there was anything she wanted to say about how she felt about the emotions she went through at the time and was still going through, but she declined. So DC Garvey then asked her about the pregnancy and she told him that she first realised she was pregnant in March 2022. She said Victoria was born on Christmas Eve in a house in Cumbria where the couple had wanted to spend Christmas, she said. She told him she was with Mark Gordon, who she described as her husband. When the detective sought to clarify whether Mark Gordon was in fact her husband, she replied, I call him my husband. So then the interview turned to the evening the couple's car burst into flames in Bolton on January the 5th last year. About the car catching fire, help me understand that, Constance. Well, I, I don't know. It was, it was very bizarre. 
We were driving. I don't even remember what motorway we were on. Where were we? I think it was the M62. Yeah. And um, the car started smoking. Uh, There was a car behind us beeping us. And, um, well, actually, it stopped working in one of the petrol stations in Manchester. It just wouldn't turn on. And then I kept trying to turn it on, and eventually it moved. After kind of 15 minutes, the car blacked out, and then we were going down the motorway, maybe like 10 minutes from that petrol station. It just started driving very slowly, smoking. I mean, we just bought it. And then uh, we got out of the car and realised. So I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I think it was a mechanical problem. She said that at the time she had been driving and Mark Gordon had been in the back with baby Victoria. When they fled the car, she said, £2,000 went up in flames because she had left her handbag in the front seat. She claimed Mark Gordon went back to try to retrieve as much as possible from the car while she stayed with the baby. She was asked what she left in the car and said that she had left a placenta in a bag. Well, I was going to bury it somewhere. OK. Um, but that was more of a religious thing because you can bury it and grow a tree from it. It's just something we do, um, which is what I was intending to do. I just hadn't got round to it, basically. She said they decided to leave the scene because they concluded the police wouldn't be far behind. Um, Well, I knew the police were going to come because they come to scenes in which um, the motor vehicle, the car, catches flames and obviously the fire brigade come. I obviously concluded the police would then come and uh, I panicked and I didn't want them to know who I was because I assumed they would take Victoria away. So we ran away from the scene. So Constance Martin was then asked why she thought the baby would be taken away. I knew the police would find out. They'd ask me who I was, they'd ask for identity and probably do a background check and potentially take away Victoria. OK. So that was my concern. Tell me about that, about them taking Victoria away. What do you mean? What were you thinking at this point? Well, I wanted to keep her with me. Okay. Yeah, and parent her. Go on. There's nothing else to say to that. I don't know. I wanted to keep her and parent her. I didn't want her, them, to take her away from me. What made you think that they would have taken her away from you? Because my other four children are taken away, so they would have taken her away too. And I wanted to protect her from that. So that's it for today. We should remind you that Constance Martin and Mark Gordon deny manslaughter by gross negligence. They also deny perverting the course of justice, concealing the birth of a child, child cruelty and causing or allowing the death of a child. We will be back later this week with more updates from the trial. In the meantime, you can follow us on X at The Trial Podcast and contact us thetrial at mailmetromedia.co.uk. You can leave a comment on Spotify or even send us a voice note on WhatsApp on 07796 657 512. Start your message with the word trial. See you then.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.